Welcome to Hannah's Heart. So Hannah, she's just one of the women who did struggle with infertility in the Bible. No matter who we are, we can be inspired by the fact that Hannah took her pain to God and God heard her and was with her. So when she was praying at the temple, she had been weeping and not eating and her lips were moving, but her eyes were closed and the priest was like, why are you drunk at the temple? Because <laughs> yeah. it can become an obsession when you want Wanting a child so deeply. And desiring that baby and to be a mama. Every holiday, every Mother's Day. This is not a show that's going to promise you a certain outcome. But this is a show that says, however God answers your cry, we know that he's enough. Hi, everybody. I am Kendra. And I'm Ann. And you are listening to Hannah's Heart on American Family Radio. That's right. Today, I'm excited because we're going to start a small little series um, on the barren women of the Bible. And we're starting um, out on talking about Sarah. She's the first one that we know about in Scripture who did struggle with infertility. And um, the series is going to be released um, every few months throughout this year. And so we're excited as we talk about the first one today. Yes. And let me go ahead and preface this because I remember we both, you you felt called to kind of study the barren women of the Bible yeah. when struggling with infertility. And I think I was like almost afraid to study them, if I'm <laughs> honest. So I'm just put all my hesitations out there because I thought... Other people would, would say comments to me like, oh, man, it happened for Elizabeth. It happened uh-huh. for Sarah. She uh-huh. was this old, you know, and all of that. And I just um, I just want any listeners to know we are not by any means by telling you these miraculous women's stories. Yeah. We are not supposing that God is going to work in your life in any specific way. Rather, right. we're looking at women who did struggle with infertility and seeing what kind of overall lessons we can learn from Scripture and what God's. Right plans were for these women who struggled through their mistakes and through lots of good decisions you know that they ended up making and and sarah Um, has a lot of those mistakes right we're not necessarily talking about sarah to be like do what she did um we named the show hannah's heart because we liked her example it was not sarah's (laughs) solutions because she had some really awful uh, solutions solutions (laughs) that didn't pan out well exactly Well, why don't we just jump right in? Um, The story of Sarah in Scripture is covered in several chapters, and I don't even know what all we'll get to today. But um, I think it specifically kicks into gear for Sarah around Genesis 16. Um, And we have, just to kind of back up, she's married to Abraham. And, um, of course, at this point in their life, they are called Sarai and um, Abram, Abram, Mm -hmm. right? It's before God changes their names. And the even changing of their names is in connection to his calling for them right. as people and their family and having children. Yeah. Um, but if I call her Sarah, it's because it's out of habit, not Sarai. But um, in Genesis chapter 12 and 15, we see that God appears to Abraham and he establishes this covenant with him that mm-hmm. he wants to um, do this amazing thing through him and start and create a whole new people group. And um, specifically in chapter 15, he has that beautiful picturesque thing where he takes Abraham outside and says, look up at the stars and like your descendants are going to be as numerous as the uh-huh. stars in the sky. All of that crazy. Happens. I mean, for a man who is 75 years old and has been wanting an heir. So I don't know. My first question for Sarah is what is she what do you think she thought when Abraham came back to her and was like hey 
Listen. We're going to have a ton of babies. <laughs> you know, and she's uh, old. And like, if, I don't know, if I was Sarah, I would be like, did God say that I was involved in this plan? Like, right. what are the specifics? I'm going to need some details. I'm going to need to know more this about prophecy. this. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I can't imagine that, actually. <laughs> well, I know how I felt just after four years of struggling with infertility mm. and then getting, you know, an at-home positive test. It took me a long time to fully For the accept. realization to hit yeah. in. Yeah. Uh, months into being pregnant, even after the morning sickness, it was still like, are we sure? You know, so I can't imagine being her. I'm sure they tried for years and yeah. years and she had probably given up on that dream. And it says that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. We don't know what Sarah's response was when Abraham came and told her yeah. what God told him. Right. Like, was it faith? You know, was she like, okay, I'm on board. Or was she like, no, he heard the wrong person. You are a crazy old coot. <laughs> You know, but going back to Genesis chapter 16, this is where um, we really start to see more about Sarah's attitude. So it says, um, now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abraham, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abraham agreed with Sarai's proposal. Let's stop there for a second. So much to unpack. <laughs> Why do you want to stop there? So Kendra? much to unpack <laughs> in this. Okay, what do you think, Anne? What is Sarah's, um, Sarai's um, attitude towards God like through her words? Like, can we guess at like um, when she says, "The Lord has prevented me from mm-hmm. having children." There's a little bitterness there to me. It seems undertone, like you know, yeah. like, and if the Lord has stopped me, surely you can have one with her. You know, yeah. Um, which sounds crazy to me to, yes. you know, be like, can you go sleep with her to have a baby? You know, um, but yeah, it seems like she could be a little upset at God because we do know that the Lord um, could open her womb or let her, mm-hmm. you know, we we don't know, um, you know, what's going on to keep her from having a baby. Um, but yeah, to then take it under her wing yeah. and to try to find a solution herself without yeah, involving so the Lord in that. She looks to Hagar to be like, oh man, like Abraham can be your baby daddy and we'll just, I'm going to figure things out and try to get what I want. And that's a child. Yeah. And it's almost like you see her being eclipsed um, by the emotion of wanting a child. And <clears throat> I am I fall into this category a lot of feeling like I have to help God along with his promises in my life. Like, you know, okay. Like, and I could picture Sarah because as women, we're very, um, we, we tend to be very strategic sometimes when we think a lot. And we think a lot. And we just think all the time, (laughs) just always things going on up there, you know, strategizing. And so I'm sure Sarah thought, well, God didn't, he's had this long because I think it had been, um, at least 10 years since mm-hmm. God's promise, mm-hmm. and this hasn't happened. So I'm sure she's thinking if God wanted to do it biologically, he could have right. already. So now I guess I'm going to have to get involved. Yeah, because are we thinking right now she's in like her 80s? I think so. I know Abraham, I think Abraham and Sarah are about a year apart. Uh-huh. Abraham was around 75 when, when I think he got the first Okay, promise. that's what I was thinking. So, and so now it's been 10 years. Yes, it's been a, a little a little time has passed, hasn't happened yeah. Um, where's so, the fruit of what you said, God? We're in our 80s somewhere or another. <laughs> yeah. So her solution, while 
I mean, it, it, first of all, we got to give them a little bit of grace. They're living in a culture where, like, obviously God's plan is one man, one woman for one lifetime. Yeah. Um, but um, at this point in this in scripture, God has not um, created that you can't have multiple wives right. rule. <laughs> um, I mean, obviously with Adam and Eve in the, in the garden, um, the whole world was, it's so weird to think about, but brothers and sisters marrying mm-hmm. happened at the beginning. The mm-hmm. genetic, you know, the gene pool was, hadn't been messed up, just hadn't been messed up too much yet. But uh, I think from like Abraham and Sarah's story and from all of the patriarchs that had multiple wives, we can see that it does not go well for anyone. No, it doesn't seem like it. <laughs> it's not usually, and, and Hagar isn't even specifically a wife. Right. It's a servant. She's a servant. So it's not even a marriage commitment. Yep. Um, do you get the sense that Sarai just like consulted Hagar's opinions and thoughts on this matter and like cared about her? No, <laughs> I know I don't get that. So I she, think she was like, oh, so she's a servant and available, and that's how I could get a son. Yeah. Oh, it's so cringy to read that because, I mean, here's a servant that is under your protection, yeah. and you are more powerful than them and here you don't take their thoughts or consideration right, you take at, advantage of them yes i just my heart cries for hagar in yeah. this story and because she was definitely used and i think we can end up seeing almost her emotions come with yes. that later on yes and uh, you want to elaborate on that what happens next <laughs> she says bye she she gone <laughs> yeah so okay so let me pick up in verse three and we'll jump right into that so so sarah abram's wife took hagar the egyptian servant gave her to abraham as a wife this happened 10 years after abraham had settled in the land of canaan so abraham had sexual relations with hagar and she became pregnant but when hagar knew she was pregnant she began to miss um began to mistreat her mistress um sarah and oh, sorry Let's try that again. She began to treat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. Then Sarai said to Abraham, This is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms, but now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. And Abraham replied, She is, look, she is your servant, so deal with her as you see fit. Then Sarai treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. We'll, we'll pick back up in a minute, but... um. Ooh, it's a lot of marital angst uh-huh. going on right Tension. now. Kind of the blame game, too. Yeah. Like, yeah. this this conversation just so harkens back to me to the Adam and Eve in the garden, you know. Well, Good she point. gave me the fruit. Right. <laughs> well, well, he you, didn't tell me. He did this. The serpent, yeah. was, you know. Yeah. I never want to take the blame. And it's so human nature. Like, as cringy as this story is, I think what is also cringy is there's an aspect of ourself that you can see Mm -hmm. um, behind this. Like maybe not to the full extent, you're not hiring servants to sleep with your husband when you struggle with infertility, but there's an aspect of wanting to take things into your own control and try to make stuff happen. And in very small ways, I think it's easy for us to step on the emotional needs of other people, specifically our spouses. You know, Um, one of the things that's so hard about infertility is taking into consideration that there's another whole person that has different feelings and emotions. And um, fortunately, I don't think you had this with Will, and I haven't had it with Eric any much of a of a blame game as no, far as no. whose fault it is with infertility. But for many couples, that's an element, oh, even yeah. even Christian couples. Yeah. It's like, um, and it's not always blame just on physical things. Uh-huh. Sometimes it comes down to, 
I wanted to start having kids earlier. You were the one who wanted to wait, and now we're, now we're having here. trouble, and it's yeah. maybe not going to happen. And um, blaming yourself and blaming your spouse. <laughs> All of the above, I mean, I feel like can happen. And, you know, if you're still going through this, through infertility, yeah, I want to encourage you to be very watchful mm-hmm. of those attitudes and even you know, thoughts that we have on the inside that you're like, oh, I need to get that under control because our thoughts, you know, can then end up leading to action or hurtful words, you know, Um, because, yeah, we don't want to have this attitude towards our spouses. Um, We mentioned earlier about um, Sarai having her decision making eclipsed by her desire for mm -hmm. children. And um, we had a listener a couple weeks ago call, and I got to talk with him, and he was sharing um, his wife, and I won't mention his name for privacy's sake, but he was mentioning that his wife had really allowed having children to become an idol in her Mm -hmm. life, and that um, she wanted children so badly that... Um, and, and he actually said that he felt like God was calling him, them to be an Abraham and Sarah and that God was going to bless them. They got married later in life, and he just really thought, this is God, God called me to be an Abraham. And um, his his wife wanted them to pursue, I, I forget if it was egg donation or sperm donation, but um, he started praying about it, and he, he was like, well, I felt like the Lord called me to be an Abraham and he go, went back to this story and he said, I feel like this is getting things out of order and it's not in line with God's plan. And when he tried to present this to her, make this biblical case for why God wouldn't honor that method of, you know, trying to have children, um, she just, she ended up leaving him over this issue and oh. their marriage was broken um, over an idolatry of desiring to have children. And he shared that with a broken heart, but wanting couples to know um, that it is so easy to let our desires um, eclipse biblical judgment. Um, And sometimes we have to just take a step back and check our hearts and say, um, God, is there anything I desire more than you? Is there anything that would keep me from making a wise decision. And when you get into fertility treatments, there are a lot of questions that come up and couples might have different answers to what kind of fertility treatments they're comfortable with. Or not even just fertility treatments, but how, simple questions like, how often are you going to be, you know, how, how watching the clock on when you try mm-hmm. and committing with your spouse to how committed, how aggressively are we approaching this and wanting to be on the same page. So before you can even make a plan, um, inviting God into that process and saying, what is your desire? What right. is your vision for our family? And um, I will say it's a little different for Abraham because uh, God's plan for him that was clearly revealed in Genesis 12 and 15 was to lead the entire Jewish nation and the Messiah is going to come from him. And the like whole thing about the stars was a promise that he could take to the bank. Like if God, if you're listening to this and God appears to you and tells you that, you know, he is going to give you children as numerous as stars in the sky and he literally appears to you and tells you that that's a promise you can take to the bank. But for most of us, we don't know how God is going to fulfill these desires and passions that we have. Like, did you ever feel like you had a promise from God that you were going to have biological children? Mm, Maybe some, did you? It's okay if you did. No, I, I don't feel like I did until literally... I think I've shared before, like Mm -hmm. looking back after I um, found out, you know, we were going to have a baby 
I can look back and see where the Lord was showing me a few weeks ahead of time, mm-hmm. you know, by laying Giving it on my hints. heart to yes. pray for our Jane. And uh, then, yeah, leading me to buy a baby girl dress, you know, and mm-hmm. then let me have that dream the night before. Um I did test positive. Wait, wait, go back, go back to that leading you to buy a dress because this is before you knew. This is before I knew. Yeah. Okay. Like so two let's or talk three about weeks. that because <laughs> that's a little faith. That's a faith uh, action. Yeah. It was. I um. Yeah, I was at a little mm. sale that we have here in town sometimes, and I was shopping for the kiddos that we had in foster care, and I saw the cutest little bitty pink dress that. I just loved, and I was like, mm-hmm. you know, if I ever have a baby girl, I would want her to wear this, mm-hmm. and I put it back, and then I literally was like, I feel like the Lord is telling me to buy this, mm-hmm. and so I bought the dress, and yeah, then it was either two or three weeks later mm-hmm. when I found out we were going to have a baby, and um, the night before I found out or tested positive, um, I had a dream I was telling somebody I was having a baby girl, and so, yeah, it's so I do feel like I had some hints towards the end. Yes. Well, I love this because every every couple is different. Yeah. And I think obedience to God is key. And what I love yeah. about what you just shared is you didn't know for a fact that it wasn't written in the sky that you were going to have right. a, a baby. But you felt a prompting from God to do an act of obedience of buying a dress and you obeyed. And you might have felt like, gosh, if I'm wrong, this dress is going to be uh-huh. like mocking me right. in the house. Well, it almost feels a little silly. <laughs> feels a little silly to buy yeah. it ahead of time. But you obeyed God. And it makes me think of Abraham. He obeyed God and it was, you know, he believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Mm-hmm. Eric and I, on the other hand, um, while we've we've had some people speak into our lives some promises about us having children when I go straight just to scripture and what I feel that God has specifically spoken to us as a couple, I couldn't say with 100% confidence that I felt that God had a biological child for us. Um, And so when I read stories about these promises of God, I try to be careful to not assume that because God promised Abraham a child, he's promising me a biological child. Um, But there are, if, if you fall into the category of my husband and I, you don't feel like God has promised you that. Um, there are promises you can take to the bank right. when you struggle uh, with infertility yeah. and that God will be a shield about you, mm-hmm. that God is close to the brokenhearted, that he, um, that you can um, know the goodness of God in the land of the living, yeah. um, that you can experience and, and have an abundant Christian life. All of those things are scriptures that you can take to the bank, right. that you can say, I don't know how he's going to meet this need, but I know he's enough. Mm-hmm. And I had to say that so many times under my breath, I would just say, Lord, I know you're good. Mm-hmm. I know that you're good. And I'm I'm putting my faith not in something that you're going to give me, but in who you are and that that's going to be enough for me. Yeah. Um, and I do think that that's so important as people struggling with infertility or struggling with any problem. Mm-hmm. We're talking about infertility here, but um, to still recognize that um, of God, that he is still a good God and to make sure that we are acknowledging that hopefully on a daily basis, mm-hmm. even when it is hard to say that or to understand how is he still good even though I'm burying my baby? How How is he still good even though I haven't had a baby yet? You know, whatever um, your case looks like to be able to still say, God, you're good even when, mm. you know, because that's hard. That's really, really hard. But I do feel like 
um, it takes that act of worship and that act of faith um, for the people around us to even see us as Christians. How do we handle these really hard times? Because people Mm -hmm. are watching. um, And really, since we've found out the news of having a baby, I've had so many people to come to us and say, this is not bragging on Will and I at all, because I've, I feel like I've been pretty honest about how mm-hmm. I had to go a little while without praying, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, but so many people have come and said, we, we watched you, mm-hmm. you know, we watched you and struggle. we're learning from you. Yeah. And you, you know, you really inspired me to mm-hmm. do, you know, and that, that is not bragging on us at all, but it, it does remind me of how important it is for us um, to still be uh, open about our relationship with Christ in the hard times and yeah. good times, you know. I've been so moved to tears, even just since starting this podcast, having listeners um, private message us yeah. and say that they're praying for both of uh-huh. us. That's right. And, you know, I just, gosh, that means that means so much um, oh, yeah. to know that we have people we don't even know uh-huh. that are praying for our future families That's as we're right. walking through this struggle. And right. um, as we do look at all of the barren women of the Bible, um, the the children that God ends up giving them are all so unique. Not yeah. a single one of them of the seven, six, seven women we're going to study um, have just like ah, unmentionable, normal, yeah, unmentionable <laughs> kid. Nothing really amazing right. happened. Like Hannah had Samuel, right. who was a prophet that like did had a huge calling on their uh-huh. life. You have Elizabeth, you know, who had John the John Baptist, the Baptist. Like, Jesus's cousin. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. huge callings. That's and right. As I Manoah had, and his wife, yes. they had Samson. So like, not a single one of them was average right. or commonplace, and and had very unique callings. And I just think about how. For those of us who are struggling with infertility, whatever child the Lord has for you, whether it be biological or adoption, mm-hmm. is going to be so prayed over by That's you, right. your spouse, and the people in your life. And I think the Lord just knows that the ones that have a special anointing needs a little more prayer. So uh-huh. it's like, ooh, baby Jane, she's going to be a world that gives changer. Think right. of all the people that prayed for baby Jane before mm-hmm. she even existed. Like, Long what time a calling. For years. Yes. Yeah. What a calling that must be on her life. Well, let's move through Sarah's life. We only have a few more minutes left and so much of her story to tackle. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Okay. So Genesis 17, moving on. Um, Let's go to verse actually 15. Um, God also said to Abraham. So this is um, God again uh, reconfirming his covenant Mm -hmm. to Abraham. Um, But he, he adds something that I thought was noteworthy in this verse. He says, as for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. I love how specific mm-hmm. God is. He's like, I already told you what my plan was, <laughs> but y'all read through the lines right. and said, well, maybe it's through Hagar. I'm going to give you some more specifics. Right. It's going it to come from Sarah. It will come from her. Uh, Kings will come from her. Yes. And Can nations, you imagine the that? mother of nations. <laughs> Crazy. Incredible. Well, and then, of course, we go on to chapter 18. And again, we don't know what Sarah's response was to hearing that. And like having her name changed, that's a huge deal. Can you imagine, like, even now, if somebody changed my name, it would be, I remember just changing my last name when yeah. I got married. It was so weird uh, difficult. Uh-huh. Um, I remember when I went to get my license um, changed and they were calling my, my new last name. And I thought somebody had cut in front of me in line. <laughs> and it took me a minute for it to dawn on. No, that's you, you. Oh, 
Mom, dummy, get up and go get your thing. But um, Sarah embracing a new name change is is in and of itself an act of faith. Mm-hmm. Like you're gonna call me Sarai, which uh, or Sarah, which has to do with being the mother of nations. Well, okay, moving on quickly, we go to chapter 18. Um, verse starting in verse 10. Then one of them said, um, so this is when um, the the angels come um, to speak to Abraham and they're at the tent and um, basically they tell Abraham again, hey, by this time next year, your wife's going to have a baby. And she's listening at the edge of the tent and she laughs in her heart because I think it's just so ridiculous to her. So verse 12 says, so Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I'm worn out and my Lord is old, now I will have this pleasure. Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she <laughs> lied and said, I-, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. Oh my goodness, there is so much to this story of Sarah. I tell you what, we're going to have to come back and finish Sarah's story. A part two. Yes, we haven't even there's gotten too much to, to uncover. <laughs> yeah, so please hang with us and we are going to continue this next week. That's right, that's right. Well, thank you, Kendra, for bringing this to us. I thoroughly enjoyed it and look forward to next time. Um, as always, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram by searching Hannah's Heart and email us at hannahsheart at afa.net. Yes, thank you so much. And the Barren Women of the Bible series, we hope you'll follow us throughout the whole year yeah. to hear more about women like Hannah, like Sarah, like Rebecca, so many wonderful women. So thanks again for listening to Hannah's Heart on American Family Radio. Thank you.